Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh and you're listening to my podcast. And as always, thank you again for joining me today. I'm excited for what the Lord has to show us today. The teaching of the Word of God is so precious and so valuable. And, and I would just encourage you to get ready to receive what the Lord has for you today. To be expecting to receive revelation and wisdom and understanding and to to receive light like you never have before. Because the Word of God is anointed to bring light into our life. And, you know, as always, we need to be extending our faith. We need to be coming to the Lord in faith, approaching His Word in faith, because the Lord has things He wants to show us and reveal to us. And so we need to prepare ourselves for that. Sit on the edge of your seat spiritually, so to speak, like you would if you were at a a game, a football game or a baseball game of some kind, that, you know, when things are exciting and things are going on, people are on the edge of their seat or they're standing up and they're shouting and screaming. They're excited. Well, we ought to be sitting on the edge of our seat spiritually every time we approach the word of God, getting excited because something great is going to happen. And so if you have your Bibles today, you can open them to the book of John the Gospel of John, chapter 14, and look at the 16th verse. We're going to continue teaching along the lines of what we have been teaching on, and we've been talking about the Holy Ghost and how He is a gift to the church. The gift to the church. The church has been given a gift, and it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to continue to teach along these lines, And we'll see where the Lord takes us today. But in John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be In you. And going on to verse 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. So, looking back at verse 16, a couple things I want to point out to you. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And we touched on it in uh, prior lessons and another. Bible lessons that we've taught along this line, and I would encourage you if you haven't listened to the other messages on this subject to go back and listen to them because there's so much revelation there and and wonderful truths to glean from. And so I would just encourage you to go back and listen to those teachings. But we touched on the fact that Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. And if you look at that, phrase another comforter and study it out literally it means one just like me one just like me and jesus said referred to the holy ghost as a comforter that is just like him and i think every single one of us would agree that jesus is a comforter to us when we were born again when we got born again and came into the family of god jesus brought comfort he Uh, comforted us and 
you know, through receiving eternal life, he is a comfort. He is a comfort to us. And I noticed the way that Jesus referred to the Holy Ghost is a comforter that's one just like me. One just like me. And so the Holy Ghost, who's also referred to as the comforter, he wants to comfort the life of every single believer. He wants to be that helper in the life of every single believer. And Jesus referred to him as that, one just like me. He said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. The Father sent the Holy Ghost as a gift to the church. We just got done with Christmas, and everyone was receiving gifts. Everyone was receiving a gift sent or given from somebody else. And when we receive a gift, we get excited about it, don't we? And we we know that it's ours because our name is on it. Our name has been written on the package. And we unwrap it and we open it and we are thankful for it. We receive that gift. Well, the Father, our Father God, has gifts for us that he has sent to us. And one of the most precious and wonderful gifts that he's given to us is the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what we're talking about. He's a gift to the church. But Jesus said, I'll pray the Father. He referred to God as the Father. And, you know, I'll just take a little side journey here. Jesus, when he arose from the dead, he was in the garden. And Mary had been there to tend to the body. And she did not know at the time that, um, that Jesus had been risen from the dead or rose from the dead. And when she went to the tomb, she found it empty and she was saddened by this. And there were angels that spoke to her. She saw angels. They were revealed to her and they said that he's risen, that he is risen from the dead. He's no longer in the grave. And, and, um, Mary was in the garden that day, and when she, while she was there, Jesus appeared to her in his glorified body, and she wanted to touch him and handle him, and he said, don't touch me yet, because I have not yet ascended to my Father, but here's what Jesus said unto her, he said, go tell my disciples that I ascend unto my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And when Jesus rose from the dead, God became our father. He became father to us. And before Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross, and then rose from the dead, before all that happened, God wasn't father to us. He was God, and he was, and he is and he still is, but he's all, he was almighty God, but he was not father to us. But after Jesus rose from the dead, he became father to us because we were delivered out of the power of darkness and translated or moved into the kingdom of his dear son. We were brought back into the family of God. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3, he said, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth, is named. Notice the whole family. 
both in heaven and in earth. Paul referred to the family of God, and he referred to the family as being in heaven and in earth. And he said, For this cause I bow my knee unto God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God became our Father. Jesus said, I ascend unto my Father and your Father. And you can tell where uh, Christians are at spiritually, how much growth they have spiritually by how they pray. When they refer to God in their prayer time as just God, and not as Father, you can recognize and tell they don't have a revelation of who God is in their life. But we don't have to pray. We're, we're called to pray to God at, as the Father, as our Father. We're to refer to God as our Father and to um, address Him as Father because He has become a Father to us. I want to point this out to you. You're in uh, John chapter 14 and verse uh, verse 16. Look over at John chapter 16 really fast. And look at the 23rd verse. Jesus said, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask, notice the Father in my name. He will give it you. So he's talking about prayer here, isn't he? Jesus is talking about praying. He said, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. So we don't pray to Jesus. We pray to our Father God in the name of Jesus. Because that's exactly, and that, that is exactly how the Lord has planned this and ordained this to be. Jesus said it right here. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. But verily, verily, or in other words, what he's saying is truly, truly. In terms that we can understand today, it's the way Jesus said that is almost as if he said, I swear to tell the whole truth, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That would be the equivalent or the same thing. When Jesus says, verily, verily, it's almost as if he's saying, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so this is not a lie. This is, a, this is truth. And Jesus is emphasizing this strongly. He said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. So when we're asking for something, and he's talking about the prayer of faith here, the same uh, prayer of faith that was referred to in Mark eleven twenty four. What things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Well, here in John chapter 16 and verse 23, Jesus said, whatsoever you shall ask the Father, whatsoever you shall ask, See, he's talking about the prayer of faith. He's teaching on how we're going to pray from here on out. Whatsoever you shall ask. Well, who are we asking things from? Who do we go to to ask for things? Who are we asking? Well, we're asking the Father, our Father God, in the name of Jesus. And notice in verse 24, he said, Hitherto or up till now, that literally means, Have you asked nothing in my name? Notice, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Now, I'm not teaching on prayer today, but I just want to take a side journey to to teach you and show you that when we go to God, 
we go to him as our father. We're to ask of him as our father in the name of Jesus Christ. And the name of Jesus is what gives us access to the father. It's the key of authority to receive whatever God has for us. It's, it's the name which is above every name that, that guarantees that we can receive from God. It's through the name that we receive. But we go to the Father in the name of Jesus. And so Jesus said here, I will pray the Father. He refers to God as the Father. For he's a Father unto the Lord Jesus. He's also a Father unto us. And the Father shall give you another comforter. Notice that he may abide with you forever. And I always like to say it's the same the Holy Ghost is the same on your worst day and on your best day. He stays with you, abides with you through thick and thin. On the, on the good old days and on the bad days. When you're feeling up and when you're feeling down, he does not change. And he'll always be a comforter to you in every area of your life, in every single day of your life. And he's not going away. And so don't think that when you mess up, or that you fall short in an area that the the comforter leaves you. But no, he is the comforter during those times as well. In fact, he'll bring his comfort to you abundantly and pour out his help abundantly upon your life during those times to bring you out, to bring you back into fellowship, to bring you back and restore you, bring back restoration to your life. That's part of his uh, ministry, the ministry of the comforter, the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to help believers in their life personally. And like we've taught, and like we've looked at before many times, if you follow my ministry, you know that I've taught this, that the comforter, his name has a sevenfold meaning. And his name is comforter, and also counselor, and also helper, and intercessor and advocate, and strengthener, and stand by. Hallelujah. He is all of these things. That is the sevenfold meaning of his name. And he is also his purpose in his ministry, that he will counsel the life of every believer that asks him, that wants him. He will be a helper in the life of every believer. He'll be an intercessor. We know that to be true in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And he'll be an advocate in the life of every single believer. And he'll strengthen you. And he'll stand by you. Hallelujah. I think of the scripture um, in 2 Timothy where Paul said that he was on trial. And that he was being tried for his faith. And in the midst of that trial, he said, no man stood with me. No man stood with me during that time. But he said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and sh notice strengthened me. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. Paul said, the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. And notice he went on to say that by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Well, I want you to notice the phrase that he stood by me and he strengthened me. Well, that is exactly part of the ministry of the Holy Ghost. He's a strengthener. 
and he's a standby. So when no man seems to be standing with you, maybe your family has forsaken you, maybe your friends have forsaken you, maybe you feel alone, and that nobody's with you, understand that if you have received the Lord, and you've received the Holy Ghost, that he is a strengthener in your life, and he will stand by you. You know, he's a gift. And what a wonderful gift he is. He is a gift to the body of Christ. He's a gift to the church. Now I want to show you that the scripture refers to the Holy Ghost as a gift. Turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, first of all. And we'll look at this. Luke chapter 11, look at the 11th verse. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. You'll notice you can hear my pages turning. I'm not going to edit any of that out or make like a canned podcast or anything like that. I want you to know that I'm looking at the scriptures right along with you. And we're as I'm teaching this, the Lord is leading me and directing me in which direction we should go to. This is not anything that's prepared or scripted, but the Lord is leading and guiding these times, teaching through these times. Luke chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus said, and in my Bible it's in red, Jesus is speaking, it should be in yours, that uh, if a son, he said in verse 11, shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13 says, if Ye then being evil, that word evil there literally means natural or carnal or someone who is a sinner, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give, notice, the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So now looking back up at verse 11, notice that Jesus said, if you are a father... And I know there are many fathers out there listening to this podcast. He's saying, he's referring to a father. And he's saying, if you as a father, if your son will ask bread of you or ask fish of you or ask anything of you, would you give him something that he didn't ask for? Something that would harm him? Something that would hurt him? The assumption and the understanding is that you wouldn't. Because he said, if you being evil or natural or carnal know how to give good gifts. And and as natural parents, uh, parents know how to give good gifts to their children. Even though they're just natural. Even though they're in the world. They know how to give good gifts to their children. They want They do all that they can to please and to provide for their children. He said, if you know how to do that being natural or carnal... How much more, I like that, don't you? How much more? Because God is a, a God of much more. God is a God who does so much more. How much more shall your heavenly Father, notice that Jesus is referring to him as our heavenly Father once again. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them which ask him and notice that he's referring to the holy ghost the holy spirit as a good gift and so we're talking about 
how the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, he's a gift to the church. And so he is here in Luke 11, verse 13, referred to as a good gift. And if you'll ask that your Heavenly Father, he'll give you the Spirit of God. If you ask him, he'll give you the Spirit of God. And um, to dive in a little deeper on this teaching and to understand exactly what Jesus was saying, if you look at Luke chapter 10 and look at the 17th verse, I'll show you something real quickly. Hold your place in Luke 11 and go back to Luke 10. Scripture said, And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So Jesus had sent out the 70 to go and to do the works that he did, to do the works of Christ, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. And they returned, in verse 17, with joy. And this is even before they're born again. This is before they were um, uh, redeemed and before Jesus had risen from the dead. This is before they were um brought back into the family of God, they weren't born again yet. But they returned, verse 17, with joy, it said. They returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. And Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And he said, verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power. That word power there literally means authority, if you look it up. I give unto you authority to tread Notice what he said next, on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, notice that in Luke chapter 11 and verse 11 and 12, Jesus referred to this. He said, if you, if your son would ask for a fish, would you give him a serpent? He said that in the, the end of verse 11. If you ask for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Notice the word serpent. In verse 12, he said, if you ask for an egg, would he offer him a scorpion? What Jesus is literally teaching, and what we understand from the scripture, if you study it out, is that serpents and scorpions were referred to and also known as demons and evil spirits. And so what Jesus is teaching here in Luke 11 is that if you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you a wrong spirit. He's not going to give you something that's evil. And this is important because a lot of times, it still goes on today, it was more prevalent um, in times past in church history. You study it out, this was more prevalent back then, but it's still something that people deal with today. They're concerned that if they ask for the, for the Holy Spirit, that they're going to receive a wrong spirit. Or they sometimes... They want more of God and they hear about the teachings on the Holy Ghost and in his fullness and receiving the Holy Ghost baptism with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. But people get afraid of that. They don't want to receive a wrong spirit. And this, I understand, and I've always said this, that Jesus doesn't say anything for no reason, but he addressed things in his teachings because it was important and because it was going to be something that we need to continue to look at um, in the years to come, continue to look at, at in our lives. And so this teaching and this message is still um, relevant for us today. That if you ask the Holy, the Father for the Holy Spirit, if you ask your Father God for the Holy Ghost, He's not going to give you a wrong spirit. He's not going to give you a, a spirit of error. He's not going to give you a spirit 
of um, that's evil or anything like that. You're not going to receive that serpent or scorpion or the demon or evil spirit. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit, the spirit that comes from Almighty God, from the throne of God. And it's a good spirit. It's the spirit of comfort and not the spirit of fear. You're going to receive the spirit of truth and not the spirit of error. You're going to receive the spirit of power and not the spirit of weakness. See, and so this is so important that people understand that when they receive from God the Holy Ghost, they're receiving him as a gift to the church and he is a comforter in the life of every single believer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So now we understand according to this scripture, we looked at it in eleven or Luke chapter 11 verse 11 through 13, we see here how the Holy Ghost is referred to as a gift. And not only a gift, but a good gift. And he's from our Father God. Now, to further reiterate this point, and to prove this point, turn over to Acts chapter 2. And look at the 38th verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, and he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And notice, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Notice that Peter now referred to the Holy Ghost as a gift. Right there in verse 38. So we see Jesus referred to him as a good gift. Now we see here Peter referred to him as a gift. And to give you a little bit of context and understanding, he was preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he's declaring the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for their sins, that he rose again from the dead. And, you know, through the ministry, through the preaching that he gave, through the message that he gave, and through his preaching, the Holy Ghost was convicting the crowd that day. They were convicting the people, all those people that were there that day on the day of Pentecost. And they were they had come from all kinds of nations, all these different nations, and they spoke all these different languages. And we don't have time to teach on it, but go back in Acts chapter 2 and read from the first verse all the way through. You'll find that they were devout men that were from every nation under heaven. And when the 120 that were in the upper room were filled with the Holy Ghost, they were speaking with other tongues. They were glorifying God they, the, all these men and women that came to Jerusalem that day for the, for the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish celebration, they heard and saw the disciples speaking in other tongues and magnifying God. And they could understand them because the tongues in which the disciples were speaking in were the tongues not only of angels, like the scripture talks about, but the tongues of men. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about that. Verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Well, what is that? Well, these are tongues. The gift of speaking with tongues 
That's a gift in and of itself. And through that gift, the Holy Ghost will use that to speak, to cause you to speak in a language not known to you, but it may be known to somebody else. And it's a sign to the unbeliever. They marveled that day and they saw what that, oh, they're speaking in our language, but they're not even from our nation. How are they doing this? Well, that is a sign to the unbeliever. Because see, it's not just the tongues of angels, but it's the tongues of men and of angels. And so anyways, they were seeing all this. They, the disciples and what, and all the 120 that were there that were filled with the Holy Ghost, they got the attention of all these people. So Peter gets up and he begins to preach the gospel. And they get through, you get through to verse 37 and all the people there ask them, what shall we do? You look at the, at verse 37, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. The question at the, the latter part of that verse is, what shall we do? That's what they were asking. And you know, we ought to be so filled with the Holy Ghost and have the, the power of the Holy Ghost on our lives so strongly that people are coming to us and asking us, what should we do? When you open your mouth to proclaim Christ and to declare Christ and to share Christ with people, People ought to be coming to us and asking, what shall I do? What must I do to be saved? We ought to be so filled with the Holy Ghost. We ought to be so um, in tune with the Spirit of God, saying what He wants us to say, doing what He wants us to do, and having the evidence that we we're, that something supernatural is taking place, that people are coming to us and asking the question, what must I do? What shall I do to be saved? You know, this isn't the only time that people ask this. You remember um, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, it talked about how Paul and Silas were in prison. Their backs were bleeding, that they were in chains, their their feet and their hands were in stocks. And at midnight, the scripture said, Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there came an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, prison doors were open, and all their bands were loosed. And they walked out free. And notice that the guard that day, the centurion who was over them, that when he found out what had happened, he saw that the doors had been ripped open by the earthquake. He thought that all the prisoners had escaped. He was ready to kill himself. And Paul said, do thyself no harm, for we are all still here. And do you know, through what had taken place that night, the power of God in demonstration, the anointing of the Spirit of God in, in uh, demonstration, that in manifestation, that that centurion said, sir, what must I do to be saved? See, that, this is another time where somebody was asking, what must I do? Well, here in verse 37, they said, what shall we do? See, people should be coming to us as believers and asking us, what shall I do? What must I do? They should be coming and drawn to us because it's the Spirit of God, the presence of God, and the anointing of God's Spirit that draws people to the truth, to, to the light. And so Peter says to them, repent. He tells them what to do, doesn't he? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. For notice the remission of sins. 
That word remission there means removal of sins because this is different than the old covenant. We've met, we've entered into a new covenant. It's no longer atonement for sin, which is covering sin, but it's remission of sin, which is removal of sin forever. The blood of Jesus Christ washing away all our sins. First uh, John chapter 1, verse 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, notice, cleanses us from all sin. That's remission, that's removal. And so for the remission of sins, notice, and he or ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice verse 39, for the promises unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So Peter here refers to the Holy Ghost as a gift, doesn't he? And Jesus referred to the Holy Ghost as a gift back there in Luke 11. We're talking about the Holy Ghost and how he is a gift to the church. Now, it surprises me. And it astonishes me sometimes. I marvel at the the way that Christians can treat the Spirit of God. And they call themselves Christians. And they call themselves believers. And they say they're sticklers for the Word of God. And yet they deny the Holy Ghost in their life. And they go as far as to say that that's not for us today. That Holy Ghost baptism is not for us today. Or that tongue stuff is of the devil. I know in one particular case, there was a, a man that had was attending my daddy's church and years ago. And he told my dad, the pastor of the church there, that um, his former pastor never taught on the Holy Ghost, was against the, the fullness of the Spirit. And he told my dad that after I left that church and came over to your church and started attending the church, you know, that you are in, that my former pastor reached out to me, finding out what kind of a church that we he was attending and said to him, you know, that tongue stuff is of the devil. And this was, this is in recent times. This, this pastor supposed to be a minister of the gospel telling this, this former church member of his that tongue stuff is of the devil. Well, you know, it is dangerous to refer to the Spirit of God as a spirit that comes from the devil. It's dangerous. Jesus re- rebuked and corrected the Pharisees on that. He said Don't, that, that those that blaspheme the Holy Ghost, they'll never be forgiven. And, you know... In ignorance, Christians and even pastors and, and, and those that stand behind a pulpit, they ignorantly attack the plan of God, the gift that has been sent from our Father God. They ignorantly persecute it. And I don't believe that they even know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're left in deception because the, the devil, the, the, the enemy, has deceived their hearts. And not allowed them to see as they ought to see. Because they've they've rejected the truth and the word of God. I know of one individual that came to me one time and cl- he thought he was clever with his understanding of the scripture. But he wanted to prove that, that the things of the spirit of God and the baptism of the Holy Ghost were not for us today. And that not everyone could receive that. And, you know, just by giving him the word of God, the light began to show up in his life. He, where he was trying to insist that it wasn't for us. And he tried to use different things to prove his point. And he was kind of scatterbrained all over the place. 
but just kept giving him the word of God on the subject and teaching what the Lord said from his word about the Holy Ghost. The light began to shine to this uh, young man I was ministering to, began to see it. And I gave him this scripture actually here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38-39, that this is a promise unto you, and not only to you, those that were there that day, but to their children, to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God should call. And he was trying to make the point that not everyone could receive it because not everyone qualified for it. And not everyone could receive the Holy Ghost. But here the scripture says that the, the this promise is to you, to your children, and notice to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God should call. And, you know, the light, I, I, this young man was looking for more. This look, young man wanted more of God. And I dealt with him for, we talked for at least two and a half hours. And at the end of the whole conversation of debating the scripture, he had changed his tune. He was no longer trying to prove his point, but he was more listening. And I said to him, you can tell right now, I can tell right in your spirit, you're, 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 you're hungry for this. You're, you want this, that your heart wants this and that the, the Lord is witnessing to you to you that this is for you. And you know what? He acknowledged that and said, yeah, I can tell that this is right. This is for me. Well, we were able to minister to him, able to show him the truth. But see, we don't have to attack each other. We can just minister the truth and the truth will set you free, will make you free. The truth will bring the light. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And we can expect the Holy Ghost to be a teacher in the life of every single believer, and begin to reveal uh, the truths of the Word of God to them. And if you've received the Spirit of God within, then you qualify to receive Him in His fullness. And that truth, that truths from the Word of God can be opened up to you, and you can receive more that God has for you. Glory be to God. I remember one man in particular, another time, another case, he had gone most of his life up to this point. He had gone his whole life without receiving the Holy Ghost. And was under the assumption that some people could get it and other people couldn't. Well, again, it seems like that is a popular misunderstanding in the body of Christ. Amongst uh, Pentecostal circles even. That some can get it and some can't. But through ministering to him the word and showing him what the word said, he was able to see, yeah, this does belong to me. And I remember uh, laying hands on him and say, and simply in faith saying, today's your night, you're going to receive. I actually told him, he said to me, I'm, I'm ready to receive the Holy Ghost. And I said, well, you will, you're, you will. And I, I had such a confidence that he would. And you know, laid hands on him and ministered the anointing to him. In the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I, a lot of times what people mess up is they feel like they have to do more. They have to continue to try to help the, the Lord along. And so somehow kind of push the, push the anointing into people. But really, you just have to do your part and let the Lord do his part. I said, in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost. Well, at first... He was stutter, he stumbled and was struggling with it and was caught up in his head and was 
was endeavoring to yield, but was struggling with it. But I just ministered to him and said, just relax, calm down in your mind. Don't flow out of your head, but look down to your spirit and yield to the spirit of God. Let that flow up out of your heart. And you know, as soon as he shut off his mind and began to yield to his spirit, it began to flow. And I liken it to a faucet in a sink. You can turn it on slowly, and at first the water trickles out a little bit, a drop here, a drop there. And as you open that up, as you open that up, that faucet up, it begins to pour out more and more. And I use that illustration with him, and also <laughs> use the illustration, just take hold of it like a dog does a bone. That's an old Texas and Oklahoma colloquial expression. But just go after it, in other words, in faith. Take it hold of what God has for you in faith. And you know what? It began to open up and it began to flow out of his mouth. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the moment that he turned on his faith and shut off his mind, it began to flow out perfectly. And he spoke in other tongues fluently. And to this day is blessed speaking with other tongues because it belonged to him. It was a gift to him because he is a child of God. Glory be to God. You know, and over the years... In the many uh, the years of ministry that I've been in, up to this point, and just the many times that I've ministered to people on the Holy Ghost and laid hands on people to receive the Holy Ghost, I've only had one lady not receive the Holy Ghost. In all the years of ministry that I've been in, only one lady never received. And those are pretty good um, odds. That's pretty good numbers. Pretty good statistic that only one out of all the... I've been in ministry for coming on now 11. I'm in my 11th year of ministry. And the Lord wanted to minister to her as well. But there's sometimes people don't receive the Holy Ghost because of one or two reasons. Either a lack of faith or a lack of yieldedness. And so I just sensed after ministering to her for a time and she not receiving that she needed to have more teaching on the subject before she could receive. She needed to be taught more so that faith could come. But only one time in all my years of ministry has somebody not received. Every other time, I've laid hands on a lot of people to receive the Holy Ghost. Every single one of them received and spoke with other tongues. It belongs to everyone. The Lord wasn't picking and choosing one person over another and saying, well, this belongs to you, but not to that person. Or this belongs to you, but not to this other person. Like, the, the Lord doesn't do that. No, everyone, if you're in Christ, can receive the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. For he is a gift to the church. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So guys, thanks for once again for listening to this podcast. Remember, you can follow the ministry on Facebook and on YouTube. And now recently we're on Roku TV. And we're continuing to expand the ministry and to move forward into what the Lord has for us. And follow uh, the website, stephenoverbot.com, so you can get updates on where we're going to be. If we're in your area of the country, you can come and be a part of a of the, one of our meetings, and we'd love to have you. And so be blessed, be strengthened, and remember that the Lord has great plans for you. He has more for you. And so get ready to receive all that he has for you in Jesus' name.